So I've got a message for you that I want to share, and uh, it's called, Who's Carrying the Baton? And uh, typically, whenever you preach out from your home church, uh, it's real easy because you just open up your laptop and you pull out a message that you've preached before, and you bring it there, and those people have never heard it, and so everybody's happy, and you don't have to work very hard. Uh, and I did consider doing that. I opened up my laptop. I was just going to pull out a message. I've been preaching for 19 years. I was just going to pull out a message. And all of a sudden, I started realizing that I'm coming home. And I was raised here. And it was in triumph where people would poke me in the chest and say, you are sold out for God. God has a call of God on your life. And I'm sitting here, th- I'm looking at them saying, I was at the clubs last night. And you're poking me in the chest telling me I've got the call of God on my life. Um, And I've got names. And then I'm looking at some of you right now. Some of you guys used to poke me in the chest. I'm looking at you and I'm looking at new faces now. And so I thought to myself, I wonder who's carrying the baton now? Who's poking people in the chest now? Um, And so I'm going to preach on that. Who's carrying the baton? In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, it reads like this. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My whole life. I don't consider it worth nothing to me if my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me. The task of testifying the good news of God's grace. That that this is why I'm here. Uh, And if it weren't for Triumph Church, I would not be here today. Celebration Church of the Woodlands, the church that my wife and I pastor, we would not be here today. Uh, That that building wouldn't be there. I can go down a long list of about 20 ministries around the country, probably more that I don't know of, that were birthed out of this church. And, And now, you know what the Bible says in 1 Timothy? It says this, that the pastor's job is to equip the saints so that the saints can do the ministry. And when I look back at Triumph, yes, the Clarks were of paramount importance because they were the the leaders of the house. But it was the congregation. Uh, It was other people's mom who mothered me because my mom left when I was 16. That poked me in the chest. It was was other people's daddy that prayed for me at the altar. My father told me this. He goes, Frankie, I can only take you so far because I'm your dad. You won't listen to me at a certain point. I'm your dad. He goes, there's other people that are going to end up having spiritual influence over your life. And it was Triumph Church where it was other people's dad. It was other people's mom that hugged me at the altar, that saw me come in all messed up because of the night before and pretended like they didn't see that. And they'd hug me anyway and tell me, I love you, I love you, I love you. And so I was thinking to myself, I wonder who who is carrying that baton now. Because that was 19 years ago. And and it's so tempting in every single church. uh, Especially um, uh, in the year 2016. Celebration Church included. It's so tempting to... To say that you believe something, but you really don't. 
Uh, let me see if I can illustrate it. I need a gun because I'm in Texas. If I was preaching up north, I'd have to come up with something different. But uh, in Texas, we love guns. And so, so I, got a, I got a gun right here. And uh, how many here, how many here can think <clears throat> I can pop that balloon Glory! Glory! Jesus! You know when you almost get into a wreck, you don't say El Shaddai. You go, Jesus! How many of you think I can pop that balloon with one shot, not two, one? Put your hand up. Let me see it. Put it up high, too. One shot. Put it up high. Let me see. I like you. What's your name? Rakita, I like you, girl. Put your hand up. Let me see who believes it. One shot. One shot. You really believe it? One shot. Don't flatter me. We're in church. One shot. Let me see. Put your hand up. You notice I got closer, right? All right. Let me go back where I was. How many? Put your hand back up again. Let me see you. All right, keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. How many of you believe you are so sure? I, some of you just went like that. <laughs> you are so sure I'm going to hit that with one shot, you'd be willing to come up here and put it in your mouth. What happened? I only got one hand left. Come on up here, my friend. I only got what? All hands went down. Come on up here, brother. Love this guy. You only want to believe in the whole room. Put their hand down. Oh, man, you're a baller, aren't you? I can see an athlete a mile away. You play ball? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. See, I grew up playing ball. I can see a baller a mile away. All right, let's do this. Pastor Lance, will you hold this for me real quick? Come here, but what's your name? I'm Jesse. Jesse? That's a great name. Jesse. All right, just stand like this. Put that in your mouth. No, go right through the balloon. No, he's smart. <laughs> he's smart. He goes, ain't the BB going to hit me? I said, no, it's going to go right through it. He goes, I know, but if I'm looking at you, it's going to go right through it. It's going to hit me. But I don't want you to look at me. I want you to look at them. He said, I'll hold it in my hand. How about that? I thought you'd hold it in your mouth. I don't know he said, okay, just hold it like this then. All right, there you go. He said, I don't know where this balloon's been. <laughs> See that? Who, who's his mama? Who's his, his mama here? You raised him good. I don't know where this balloon been. I don't know. All right, stay still, brother. <laughs> I love it! I love it! I don't like I don't like guns, bro. Alright, put it up. You you changing your mind? <laughs> I can't take it! I can't y'all give Jesse a round of applause, man. <laughs> <All right. laughs>
<laughs> my, my man, I love this guy. Here's the thing. Yeah, give Jesse a round of applause. Don't worry about that balloon. <laughs> Go ahead and sit down. Here's the thing. This is, what, this is why I did that illustration. Because everybody... I, half the room said, I believe you can hit that balloon in one shot. Well, who, who here will put it in your mouth? Well, I don't know if I believe it that much. <laughs> and see, therein lies my point, is we say we believe in things, but when it gets right down to it, well, I don't know about that now. Hold up. And, and we cross that bridge every time the offering gets taken up. We cross that bridge every time we feel that little spirit say in our voice, in our heart, don't say that. Don't do that. I believe, well, I don't know if I believe in it that much. And see, here's the thing. People who carry the baton, carry the baton of faith, carry the baton for the kingdom, there's got to be something in you that says, I am all in on this. However, my life means nothing to me if only to finish the race and complete the task of test. I'm not playing patty cake. I really mean this. Put it in my mouth. I believe this because here's the deal. You and I both have lived this long enough. We know how to fake it so good. We know how to fake it. How many of us can make people think we've been praying and we ain't prayed in years? <laughs> I remember uh, uh, somebody saying to me, Frankie, I think you carry your Bible better than you read it. I was like, hey, why don't you get up out of my business? <laughs> we have learned to fake it. And let me tell you, I am only standing here today because Triumph Church, there were not the senior pastor because they equipped the saints. It was the saints that were involved in my life that was like a bulldog on my heart, a bulldog on Jim Kyle's heart, on Ron, especially Ronnie's heart. A bulldog, am I telling the truth? It was families that hang on to the baton and, and refuse to allow people to fake it. Let me share a few things. There are, are uh, there's, how many remember Gladiator? Um, is that rain? That's the rain of the Holy Ghost. Uh, how many remember the movie Gladiator with Russell Crowe? You know, there was a deleted scene in Gladiator. They took it out. And uh, the, the scene was uh, Russell Crowe was sitting uh, just outside of the, um, the, 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 what do you call that thing? The Colosseum. He's looking through the hole and he's getting ready to go into the Colosseum. And he's got to fight these guys and these, 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 there's going to be this big war and of course they're supposed to get killed and it's one of the most epic scenes in the entire movie. Um, but the scene that got deleted was an event that took place before they would send the gladiators out. They would take Christians 
and warm up the crowd by taking Christians and putting them in the Colosseum and allowing lions or tigers to come kill them. Um, but they deleted the scene because the scene was very true. What ended up happening is the scene was a father with his, with his wife and his kids holding each other and the lion came up and went to jump on him and the camera was shooting from behind and as soon as the lion landed on the family, it clicked off. And they asked Ridley Scott, uh, the director of the movie, Ridley, why did you delete that scene? He goes, even though I did my very best, I could not properly portray how bad the Christians were treated in those days. And what's interesting is uh, there's a theologian by the name of Francis Schaeffer who did a study about Christians that were persecuted. And the thing was, is you could believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. That was okay. But what you had to do in addition to that was you had to acknowledge that Jesus Christ was not the only God. That there were other ways to go to heaven. And that's why they were persecuted. They weren't persecuted for believing in Jesus Christ. And they were persecuted for saying, no, Jesus is the only thing, the only one that matters. That's why they were persecuted. And isn't it interesting that in the year 2016, if we're not open to other beliefs and open to other gods, then we are the ones that's closed-minded and rude and dogmatic. We feel the same exact pressure. And people who carry the baton, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you three points. People who carry the baton, carry the baton of spiritual passion. That Jesus Christ is why I live. Jesus Christ is why I breathe. And there's no other competition you know, if, if, if you're, uh, when you go to work tomorrow morning, um, the thought may come to your mind, well, there is competition. I need to be exclusively devoted to work. I need to bring home some money. Do you know what the Bible says? That the Holy Spirit will teach you in John 14, 26. He will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. In Proverbs, it says that he will give you witty invention. So when Jesus Christ and carrying the baton of spiritual passion, not sitting in passion, when you're passionate, what ends up happening is that the Holy Spirit begins to infiltrate your life at the office, infiltrate your life, whatever it is you do, to make money, it infiltrates your life and begins to affect those areas. But it can't be the most important thing in your life because the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. And all the other things will be added to you. And what ends up happening oftentimes is, is that we don't carry the spiritual passion and again, I'm asking, I've been gone for 19 years. Who carries the spiritual passion 
at Triumph now. Who is passionate about the things of God? Who's passionate? Don't believe the fallacy that you got to focus on other things and then on Sunday we can focus on God. Don't believe that. You, you say focused, spiritually passionate. Why? Because the baton has been passed to you. You, you may not know the people that were here before you. Uh, I heard Joel Osteen say this. Uh, my wife and I worked for him for, for three years before we started the church. And, and he said this about Lakewood Church. And I think it's the same about every church. He says, every year Lakewood Church loses 10% of our congregation. It's nothing bad. People move, people die, people get job promotions and move on. And, and he said, in order for us to, to grow um, by 10%, we actually have to grow 20%. Because Lakewood loses 10 And then if you, if you want to grow by 20%, you got to make up that 10 and then go another 10. So if you want to grow 10%, I should say, then you have to actually grow 20%. Uh, as Lakewood Church, the largest church in the country, I've noticed the same thing at Celebration Church. And I believe it's the same for every church in America. 10% of people of the church migrates. They move, they get jobs, they move to Idaho, whatever. I'm just saying the last time I was here was 19 years ago, other than visiting, obviously. The baton has been passed to you. You have taken it. People that you don't know have passed it to you. And there's got to be that spiritual passion. Who's carrying the baton? Who is it that is passionate? And what's beautiful is I still see some faces that are still here, mostly new faces, but still some faces that are still here that, that remember me and I remember you. And you're still carrying that baton. And I thank you for it. And I honor you for it. And I love you. And I love you for it. But those of you that are new in the last 19 years, whether you realize it or not, you have the baton. You have the baton. And, and you have to decide if, if you're that person that says that you really believe this. But when it gets right down to it and you got to put the balloon in your mouth, it's like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Here's point number two. Um, actually, uh, uh, let, let me say this. Uh, part of the reason why I'm passionate about this is because um, arguably 50, listen to this, this is so important, 50% of the church when the rapture takes place, may not make it. The church, everybody look around. 50% of the people in this room, 50% of the people in our church in the woodlands, 50% of the potter's house. My favorite thing about T.D. Jakes is that he's so far away so no one can leave my church and go to his. <laughs> the potter's house was any closer, I wouldn't even have a church. I'd be an usher in his church. But every single 50% of the church may not make the rapture. If you're a new Christian, you don't know what the rapture is. The Bible says that in a twinkling of an eye, people that are serving and completely devoted to the Lord will meet him in the air. Do you know why I say 50% of the church, 50% of the people in this room? Do you know why I say that? Because the scriptures insinuate that. 
Let me read you a a few verses. In Luke chapter 17, verse 34, two will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other will be left. Two shall be found in the field. One will be taken, the other will be left. Two will be found in bed. One shall be taken, the other will be left. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 through 13, it's a story about ten virgins waiting for the bridegroom. They believed in the bridegroom. They were in church waiting for the bridegroom. The, the issue of believing that there was a bridegroom coming was not the issue, but Five of the virgins waiting for the bridegroom did not pack enough oil because the Bible says they didn't think it would take this long. So they were carrying the baton, all ten of them, and five of them sat it down. They still believed in a bridegroom. They still believed a bridegroom was coming, but no more passion. They had no more oil. Then the bridegroom showed up and only five were taken and the other five were considered foolish. You can sit in this room and if I could talk to all of America, all of it one time, everybody that's in church right now and say, you can sit in this room and you can believe that Jesus Christ is coming, but if you're not carrying a passion for God, Matthew chapter 7 verse 21 Men and women claiming to be Christians who cast out demons, prophesied in his name, even performed many works for the kingdom of God. But Jesus says to depart from him, for they are workers of iniquity. He never knew them. They believed in Jesus. They even preached about Jesus. But there was no passion for him. There was no relationship with him. Do you know how many times I have closed the door in the bathroom of my house and got on my toilet and told the Lord, Lord, do you know how scared I am right now because I want to sin more than I want to worship? Will you please help me? If you don't have a passion for the things of God, know that that should scare you to death. It should scare you to death to, to say, oh, dear Lord, I'm taking my pulse and I can tell you're not number one. You're not number two. You're like number 11. Now, people at church think I'm passionate about you, but when it gets right down to it, you know it and I know it. I'm not carrying it. Oh, that, and I'll tell you this, that there was somebody in the Bible that showed up to Jesus and said, would you heal my daughter? And Jesus said back to him, well, do you believe? And the father said this, will you help me believe? Don't you love that story? That's just being honest. Are you passionate about the things of God? Not really. Will you help me be passionate? And you know what Jesus said to the man? He said, your daughter, she's healed. 
when we are honest about our passion level, when we are honest and say, I, I, you know what, this whole thing kind of bores me, but I don't want it to bore me. I want to be passionate about it. I want it to consume me. I want to say what Paul said. However, my life means nothing to me except to finish the task and complete the race of testifying of Jesus Christ. Lord, would you put that in me? He will put that in you. Someone say, that's good stuff. Do you know that heaven, absolutely, put your hands together for that. Do you know that heaven is a reward-based system? You get to heaven because of what you believe. But how you live in heaven will be determined on how you live while you're here. The Bible says this, watch this, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12, it says that anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewel, hay, wood, or straw, but on judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, that builder will suffer great loss. Everybody say, suffer great loss. Say it again, suffer great loss. The builder will be saved. You'll get into heaven. But like somebody barely escaping the walls of fire, if you're taking notes, write that down. What you believe determines where you'll spend eternity, but how you live determines how you will spend eternity. If you carry a burden of passion for the Lord, when you get to heaven, there's certain rewards that you experience that if you don't receive those rewards, it will be great loss. So let me just share this thought. That in Luke chapter 9, verse 48, there was an argument among the disciples. And they were trying to figure out who's going to be the greatest in heaven. And Jesus said, if you come to me as a child, you will be the greatest. For the least on earth are the greatest in heaven. The minute he said that, he implied rank. Heaven is not like Thanksgiving Day at your house where the whole family just comes together and everybody's equal. Heaven is like a military base. People have different rank in heaven. Let me share this with you. These are the rewards available in heaven. There are different levels of authority in heaven. Do you have those scriptures that you can, I don't know if they have it, but in Matthew 24, in 25, in Luke chapter 12, in Revelations chapter 3, there's different levels of authority in heaven. Number two, there are five different types of crowns in heaven. How many of you are uh, uh, veterans or in the military right now? Raise your hand. Let me see you. When you walk up, when you're in your uniform, you walk up to another man in uniform, immediately you look at the stripes you look at the medals, you look at the ribbons, immediately you know their rank, if they're above you or beneath you. In heaven, there's five different types of crowns. Number three, there are robes of salvation, but there are gowns of righteousness. A robe is equivalent to uh, like a bathrobe. So you get to heaven, you're here, you get a robe. 
But people who strove for righteousness while you were here, you don't get a robe. You get a gown of righteousness. There are degrees of glory. We don't get this fragmented body. See, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have hair, blonde hair, a six-pack. I'm going to look like Fabio. I'm going to have a new body. Think I'm lying. I'm also going to be the worship director. The other guy got fired. I've been reading the Bible for 50 years, not 50 years, 39 years. Nobody else got hired. There's an opening. I've submitted my resume. So you worship leader Chris Deegan, you have cool hair and stuff like that. I'm going to be the dog. There's different degrees of glory. In Daniel, it says, in Daniel chapter, watch this, watch this, watch this. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, it says, Those who tell other people about God shall shine like a star in heaven forever. Those of you who tell people about God, you invite them to church. When I see you in heaven, let's say you're walking on top of a mountain. I'm down here skipping rocks with David and you're walking up on a mountain with with Gabriel. I'm going to look up there and I'm going to go, who is that? Who is that? Goodness sakes, I can't barely see who that is. I can't barely, they're shining like a star. Oh yeah, that's Tammy. You will shine like a star in heaven forever. Every time you bring somebody to church, your glory gets a little bit bigger. Who's carrying the baton? Number five, houses. Everybody's walking around these days going, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have me a big old mansion. Says who? You get different degrees of houses. Some people are going to be in a chicken coop, but just be glad you're in heaven. Are you with me? Other people are going to live like Beverly Hills is their garage because their house is so big. Who's carrying the baton? Everyone say, who's carrying the baton? Who's carrying the baton for the unsaved? Who's the modern day Noah that says, get in the boat? I'll tell you what, on Easter in the woodlands, our church doubled. I was like, where did all these people come from? How does a church double on Easter? That's impossible. It's been doubling every single year. Our church doubles on Easter. And then the next week it goes back to normal. I'm like, how does that happen? For 11 years, our church is 11 years old. Every single year, our church doubles on Easter. And then the next week it goes back to normal. I'm like, what in the world is going on? So we pulled every single visitor card to find out where are these people coming from. Wouldn't you know, half of our visitors were just members of family members in our church. So on Easter Sunday, basically what's happening is that mama bear is saying, it's Easter Sunday, you come into church with me, shut your fat mouth. (laughs) That's what's happening on Easter. People are bringing their mother who doesn't go to church, their father who doesn't go to church, their kids who don't go to church. They're bringing their families. Those are Noah's. Those are people that are carrying the baton for the unsafe. You are going to get your rear end in church, and if you don't, find another place to live. Thank you. 
Who's carrying the baton of prayer? It's my last and final point. If you only write down one scripture today, write down this. It's Psalms 56, 9 in the Living Bible. It says, every time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. Oh, man. You know, Triumph Church taught me how to pray. Uh, I tell you, Aunt Renee will teach you how to pray. Praise the Lord, huh? Granny Marshall. She was, I walked up to her when I was 16. I was like, I don't know if I believe in God anymore. I, I was expecting like these scriptures and this theological debate. You know what she said? Have you lost your mind? Have you lost your mind? That woman prays so much that that was the end of that argument. I never thought that moment again. She prayed so much. Who here prays more than what people think you pray? A lot of times we can think to ourselves, people, look, look, we can fake this thing, but people know it. Have you ever had somebody say, yeah, I go to the gym and I work out seven days a week, and you look at them and you're like, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you do not. You curl donuts. That's all you do. No, 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 no. I go to the gym. I got membership in 24-hour fitness, goes gym. I've been going there for 10 years. No, you do not. You can't fake me. I can look at you and tell you don't. Do you know that people who pray, you can smell it. When T.D. Jakes preaches, I don't watch him on Sunday because I get depressed because his sermon is always so much better than mine. But when I watch him the other six days of the week, You can tell he prays. Are you, are you with me? If you don't know who 2D Jakes is, then, 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 then that's okay. That's okay. But those of you that know who he is, can't you tell he prays? Have you ever watched Christian TV at 2 a.m. and you see some Yahoo preacher and you're like, you don't pray. Here's what I've learned about churches. We can smell baloney. You can smell when a preacher comes up here and they pray. You can smell it. And guess what? We can smell it on you. And you can smell it on each other. Here's my question. Who's carrying the baton of prayer? Every time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. Every time you pray. There are some people that carry the baton that says, I'm going to turn my battle. And girlfriend, I'm going to turn your battle. I'm going to pray. I'm carrying the baton. I heard that. I heard you go, dun. Just because I'm talking like Jake doesn't mean I can ride that horse. Dun. He wants to do that. Dun, 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 dun. I can't do that. Everybody stand to your feet. Why don't you bow your head and just close your eyes. I'd just like for you to just raise both hands right where you're at. And a pastor is going to come up here, but I'm just going to speak some things into your life. In the name of Jesus, I just speak a vertebrae of steel. I pray in the name of Jesus that fire will be in your veins and in your bones for the things of God. 
I pray that by the time you go see the Lord, you're going to say what Paul said. I have finished the race. I have completed the task. Let's be a passionate people.